Hey, hey, y'all. For you um, of this recap extended conversation <laughs> around birth sovereignty and resilience. Yes. But inspired by the dope actions of the Popolo Project and brought to you by Decolonized Parenting. Shelley and myself here to talk about decolonized parenting and, and other, other dope, dope shit. shit. That's right. Get in here, y'all. Hey. You know you listened to the last episode. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it. We know it was a little scattered. Um, a little Monkey brain. Edited. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> um, you know, but so we left off, right, on talking a little bit about capitalism, lax efficiency, um, res- and how that relates to birth sovereignty and resilience. Um, and, and so we wanted to talk, I guess, a little bit more about Mauna Kea, right? Because we did touch on, on Black August and what that's about, um, you know, why we're doing it, why are we talking about it. Um, and so maybe some of you are wondering, right? Like, why are we talking about Mauna Kea? How does that fit in? Where are y'all going with this? Um, and I think that goes back to defending the sacred, right? That was, that's the way that we can tie this is that all cultures have something sacred. And I think in most indigenous cultures, birth is one of the most sacred things, right? Um, because that's, we all have an experience with birth. We all come from a mother Mm -hmm. and in turn down to the first of us, you know, coming from mother earth. Um, I know, but, but she can't touch that. She, she's upset that she can't touch the mic. Um, <laughs> Baby got something to say. I know, I know. Oh, look, you can have this. That's just for you. Um. So yeah, I feel like Monica. Well, well, I feel like defending the sacred from in a decolonized yes. way. Yes. Is about ritual. Like, if you don't necessarily have to actively defend or resist against some sort of imposing force, then really what you're doing is just holding those things sacred, right? Observing a couple, I guess, around them. And ritual played that role, plays that role in in a more indigenous context. Um, What is that? Just like demarking something as sacred. Exactly. Just holding that space. Mm celebrating right like this whole like pleasure as resistance right I love I love that this has become a a conversation in decolonization and activists you know resistance work is this whole pleasure piece Mm -hmm. Um, because that also ties into birth and the way we talk about it right like you and I well you are in a film called orgasmic birth Mm -hmm. so um, I believe you know what I'm talking about definitely (laughs) I feel like that shocks people that that's actually available. Right, or a thing. I mean, we've done so great in colonizing birth that people can't even conceptualize pleasure yeah, being adjacent to be or central to, to birth, yeah. a birth experience. But guess what, y'all? There's so much out there to explore. It can. You can have a pleasurable birth. It's possible. <laughs> um, we could probably do a whole episode about that. Probably will. Probably, <laughs> we will. probably will. No worries. We'll talk about it. Um, but in this conversation using that right what we pleasure and holding it sacred Mm -hmm. um is an act of resistance and decolonization because it's it's a way to connect with yourself right and source that that i enjoy this this brings me joy um 
And why does it bring you joy, right? Is I feel like the things that bring us joy are usually the things that connect us more to Earth and ourselves, wow. right? Dancing, writing, hmm. singing, being, being with our children, nature. being yeah. in nature, you know, um, sex, sex, I don't know, with yeah. your partner, without being your partner, I don't know. When, we're not judging. <laughs> being in, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, those those are things that the system has stolen from us you know those simple joys we don't have enough time for them i can't afford it you know like we hear those things a lot yeah i feel like you just brought us back around to the resilience piece though too Mm. because pleasure is so Mm. much a relationship in relationship with that you know and this is interesting also in the context of of have sufficiency and lack because many of the things that you mentioned are things that are free yeah, for you capitalists keeping score, <laughs> you know. I mean, dance. We can, to, to the extent that we are able, we can move our bodies, and have that that fount of like good hormones from within that make mm-hmm. us feel connected. That really do like reinforce some resilience. Give us the desire to try again later. Um, reading, writing, yeah. sharing those those elements of culture that are really organic and can't necessarily be owned. Um, Totally. Those are all measures of resilience. They are definitely things that we hold sovereign, and they are things that um, we are really rich in, that we don't necessarily lack at all, but that even when we move away from them are usually available for us to reconnect Mm -hmm. with. Definitely places where you can flip that whole lack mentality into a sufficiency space. I also see that re- like emerging in, in lots of really new, exciting ways. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. concept of crowdsourcing. Yeah. The fact that Americans think that they've invented recycling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lots of, like, um, just DIYing around, around yeah. parenting and birth necessities, which I think is dope. These are all measures of resilience. We always see these coming from places where folks assume there to be most lack. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, if we're flipping that script, shout out, Nicole, if we're flipping that script, um, we're seeing so much resilience emerging, a natural resource coming from places of lack. Um, you know what else comes alongside that, though, unfortunately, sometimes is shame. Mm. Like this idea, that's the, that's the lack mindset, you know, um, trying to outweigh resilience, right? I'm doing this, I'm DIYing this because I can't afford. I'm making, using this because, and I see people even approaching birth that way sometimes. I'm I'm free birthing because I can't afford a midwife. hear that a lot like I'm free birthing because I can't afford um, the support um, yeah. and I think sufficiency is also about being creative about making things or accessing those resources right like bartering mm. um, you know or payment plans or something like you know like finding a way to get what you need uh, yeah oh just all kinds of action right. around here. Um, yes, I also think that that speaks to how important it is to conserve or um, defend your mental space. Mm. Like, are you free birthing because you can't afford something? Or are you free birthing because you feel called to mm-hmm. 
explore this from another perspective mm -hmm. and can you adjust your thinking around it mm -hmm. maybe not maybe feeling like you couldn't afford a resource that you would have liked to have pushed you up against another opportunity but if you choose to embrace that opportunity there's such a mechanism for like an endless fountain of resilience right there yeah. however if you go into it feeling you know from a lack mentality honestly I feel like you open yourself up to a little bit more um, I don't want to say danger that's such a loaded word. Yeah. But a less integrated experience but, that could yeah. make you feel less empowered less safe, by it. Maybe. Mm -hmm. right? Less safe yeah. by it. Yeah. And so like Well that doesn't points out that like a lot of resilience is is context. Mm. A lot of resilience is the container that we choose to build around ourselves. Are people around us going to build up our options mm -hmm. and be supportive even if they yeah. haven't done their complete decolonizing work around birth? Yeah. Or are they contributing to our senses of lack and fear? Yeah. Um, and how does that interplay with your resilience? Some people feel more fortified by it. People are like oppositionally defiant. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? The more you hate on me, the more I'm digging in my heels. And some people feel really intimidated by that and don't yeah. have as positive an experience. So this is another mechanism for us to be supportive around the birth conversation. Yeah. This is what we were talking about in the last episode when we said that the viewpoint that you hold, your birth culture is not neutral, mm -hmm. and that you contribute to the well-being of those around you yeah. by the space that you hold yes, for this conversation. women, especially pregnant women, right, pregnant people, are literally vessels. Mm -hmm. um, and we absorb that shit real quick. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, and so even... Even a woman like you and I more astute and used to uh, some of the silly or ignorant things that we hear about home birthing or free birthing or whatever. We, I feel like I can now, now it rolls off my shoulders and I can deflect it quite easily. But for a woman who's never experienced that, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe this is her first time exploring a different paradigm of birth and the people around her are just freaking out. Right. right. They're just like, what? What are you doing? That's terrible. Like, you're a bad mom or that's not safe or, you know, they throw and project all their fears and everything um, onto that woman. And we don't want that. Right. So mm -hmm. th this that is an opportunity. I feel like when you're presented with, you know, someone who's doing something a little bit different than you would. Right. That that uh, tension, I guess, is an opportunity to look at. Why is it attention? No, why is it a trigger? Right. Um, yeah. It's an yeah. opportunity to decolonize your thought process yes. a little bit. Yeah. Maybe an opportunity to identify some privilege and like free yourself from having to carry that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Allow yourself to be a more active participant in decolonizing the world around you. Um, I also think it's a really great checkpoint to not project bullshit onto people. <laughs> How many times have moms hear stuff like, but you're going to home birth, but don't you need this? But aren't you scared about that? Mm -hmm. But aren't you worried about this? And so mom, I also want to, or pregnant people, I also want to invite you to hold this space for yourself. I mm -hmm. recognize that even being able to talk about cultivating and having these communities available to us is another form of privilege. Definitely there are people who don't really have anybody ideologically aligned with them around them right now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that actually has to do with the people, people's lack of willingness to talk about it. I would venture to say that there's probably someone in your community who's more ready for this conversation, but we don't really talk about it very often, and it might not be who you thought. So if you're holding this space, if you're keeping this little candle lit just for yourself, mm -hmm. um, I want to invite you to think about 
how resilient it is of us to always have been able to make do with what we had around us. I mean, think a little bit backwards, right? If you can't access anybody in a parallel plane mm-hmm. <laughs> who's with exactly. you right now, then just access your, your ancestral trajectory mm-hmm. because definitely there's plenty of proof there. I mean, yeah. we were forced to birth in plenty of circumstances where safety was certainly not central to the idea, yeah. even though you're being sold that heavy-handedly right now. Yeah. Um, and where we used what we had available. I mean, you know, traditional midwives, granny midwives were definitely adept in local herbs, and that's information that is accessible even now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hot water, some towels. like <laughs> Right? Like, I remember hearing that, right? Like, that was what you needed at a birth was some towels and hot water yeah and, um, and yeah. coming up on those things was not always just as easy as taken for granted as we have it now yeah um and some wherewithal and mostly <laughs> definitely there was skill involved but mostly faith process yeah and understanding yeah. that normal is normal and that intervention is more often than not unnecessary mm-hmm. yeah so tap into that a little bit dig into that space do a little bit of reading about our um, the predecessors in, in the, this midwifery game, yeah. but also lean into your family tree and hear some of the stories and look for the resilience, even though you might have to receive the story through the lens of lack. Mm. Consider that the people involved most most likely survived, and um, when they didn't even, their community okay. showed up in ways that also exemplified resilience. Really use that opportunity to remember the resilience of of your ancestors and then also anchor it in yourself you've survived Mm -hmm. some shit if you are old enough and and interested enough to be listening through the second installment of this podcast (laughs) you probably have survived some things in a system that was not necessarily designed to center your safety your mental health your physical health and that is a great way to step into this efficiency mindset definitely big ups to you for making it this far Exactly. Made it. Made it. (laughs) Yeah, and that's, I I mean, that's really what's happening on Malakaya right now, too, right? Like, they're, that's what they're saying. Like, we're still here. We we have made it. We are the result of our ancestors not giving up. Um, Or maybe they have, but I'm coming back anyway, right? Like, I know so many people who have... Parents or grandparents or maybe a great grandparent who like totally shunned the Hawaiian side of them, mm. right? Be- because it was literally illegal um, to practice Hawaiian dances or rituals or even speak the language. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming from that, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, to then choose the opposite and say, "No, I'm going to embrace this now," mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to celebrate this part of me is resilient right Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and resistance like that is part of this decolonizing is embracing those parts of ourselves that a lot of us have had to bury right um and and so in that bury like bringing that to birth we hear so many women talk about i don't know i don't know anything about this i I need to surrender my authority to a professional because i'm unschooled Mm -hmm. not unschooled but uneducated in this aspect when would you think about that to the people the you know um Kia'i responding to Mauna Kea the idea is not necessarily I don't know as much as it is I'm reclaiming yeah 
you know what I mean? I'm here to learn from yeah, exactly. from my kupuna, yeah. from my land. from the land, and like I don't have to come with this knowledge in my head necessarily. Yeah. I just have to come with a spirit willing to reclaim the information that's available to me from an intuitive line and from aspects of my community that I hadn't touched into, and exactly. that the work that's... of choosing to reclaim this is important enough yeah and we don't have to know right yeah. we don't have to have all the answers that's what community is for ancestors are for like we are only human right, <laughs> right? so you know we have these communities for a reason we have these others you know to bounce our ideas off us to come together and find solutions together right like we don't have to figure it out on our own right we don't have to be that superhero mindset, right? Like, I don't want to be a fucking superhero. Oh, my gosh. Um, I really don't. Like, as much as I love superhero movies, do not get me wrong. I fucking love a good superhero movie. <laughs> However, I realize how unrealistic and harmful that idea can that be. That trope. That trope, yes. Totally. Yeah. And also, the idea of having <laughs> of like having to be supreme in your knowledge around it is frustrating. Right? And I know I was victim to that, right? Even with uh, even with the privileges I recounted before, I know I arrived at my first gestation and birth experience on some, I'm not an expert, I didn't go to med school, oh my god, my shameful past. But definitely feeling like I needed, you know, inherently to submit to a, a sort of model. And now, now where I am is looking at wanting to, in, to decolonize those institutions in the first place. I mean, how do they even make, how do they make their standards? Yeah. Like, whose bodies are they centering as normal? What is creating these averages? You'd be surprised what you look, what you find there. I mean, we know I learned some years ago that, for instance, the body weight index or the BMI for infants what had been based around a formula no fed feeding. standard exactly. and they they had to do the work of saying you know what we're having breastfed babies now it's coming back into into trend and these babies aren't all low birth weight they're just not being formula fed and we created these standards around formula <laughs> here's a breastfed baby who's trying to get out some food so <laughs> some food definitely (laughs) not lacking in the bmi or the interest (laughs) in food Mm -hmm. so um you know i I think that that's an important part of decolonizing and don't be afraid to look at the the institution as a whole if you are saying if you're talking yourself out Sorry about that interruption. Uh, that's what happens when you record with a baby. So, um, anyway, uh, if you're still listening, thank you. And uh, next up is going to be the last uh, 10 minutes of our conversation, um, talking more about resilience and ancestry uh, and more decolonized shit. <laughs> I guess. So, uh, stay tuned. It has started recording. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> what is this? Uh, the ghost in the machine is like, no, you guys, we need right, all of this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're talking about, right, being being your own expert right you were saying you know come at this from where you're at and we're saying you know we don't 
we don't have to know everything. There are other people that know these things that we can access and have conversations with um, or who can share you know, the resources that they used, right? Like I'm constantly telling people about the books and the podcasts and the whatever that I access to make my births a reality, right? Um, um, because I often tell people that it doesn't take a lot of money or a lot of things to have a baby. And so when I tell people that, they're like, well, what did you do? Right? And I'm like, I just, I educated myself. Um, and I'm not saying that's enough for everybody um, or that it should be or I don't know. I, but that's me. That's me. Um, so, but that's part of my decolonized process was becoming an authority in a sense, right, of, of this knowledge, um, of questioning the things that I was being told in one model and learning and being a part of the other model, right, midwifery care, and learning all these other aspects, maybe a more holistic aspect of pregnancy, made me want to further question that those things that I was being told, right? Like, I was introduced to home birth through in Ina May, right? Like, she was that pinnacle of midwifery or whatever and now she is clearly not <laughs> at least for me like she is not centered in my midwifery experience anymore um or even a i don't i don't really i don't consider her like a role model necessarily or anything but i do think the literature that she produced has a profound effect on people right yeah. um yeah but anyway you know and that and those books, just women sharing their stories, are honestly the most powerful thing, right? Like, oh my gosh, yeah! What an act of resilience to show up and share your story, regardless yeah. of the content. Yeah, you are here and you're able to share it. And for those people who come to the space, because birth spaces always come with tears, <laughs> and and unload and unpack and process, that's an act of reclaiming. That's yeah. an act of resilience. Holding yeah. space for those as they go through that process, that's an act of being resilience that's modeling the community resilience and you know what it's also an act of reclaiming yourself as expert i yeah. say that because a lot of people who come with birth trauma informing their experience mm -hmm. dictating where they enter this conversation on the path right um traumatized conventional model and still feeling as though they received expert care and yeah. somehow they did not approximate mm -hmm. what was normal and they're yeah. dealing with that trauma alongside the trauma of their experience. Yeah. And I want to invite you to disabuse yourself of that notion. I want to yeah. invite you to understand that your experience is just your experience. And that sometimes it's the institution and the expert paradigm that fails you. There's a lack of understanding there. there it's a system that's rife with microaggressions. It's just something that is centered around, honestly, trauma. I mean, if anybody, if you do a little bit of research as to the roots of gynecology in this country, you get, before long, you'll come up on a narca who was a, an enslaved woman who was sold to a novice, really, someone who wanted to be a doctor and hadn't quite made it, yeah. and thought that he would advance this field of gynecology, um, trying to revamp midwifery, I suppose, trying to better understand... Right female organs at a time when people didn't really even look the vagina in the eye yeah. and practiced on you know enslaved women who had been discarded because of whatever their reproductive story had left mm -hmm. them feeling um, less profitable in other ways and so you know it's not really a, a different paradigm here um, 
And so that's one, one space where change is a little bit evident, but totally, I agree with what you're saying. I also like to, um, just to draw back that expertise one more time, I want to hit y'all over the head with it because I want you to really, like, begin to believe. I love to center partners as well as yes. experts. Yes. You know, you partners usually know that birthing person more intimately than Anybody. certainly a, a practitioner. Yes. You know, I mean, I can't speak to their history of other lovers, but you know them better than that practitioner, usually. And that's because you have contact with their body in different ways and because you're interested in subtle cues in different ways. And so it's wonderful to be able to avail yourself of that partner's expertise as well. Yes. And certainly you will center that. If you're trying to get off, I mean, unless you have some sort of fantasies that aren't factoring <laughs> into the conversation, you probably are going to go to your lover for that expertise rather than your missioner yes. because you know that they can get you there. You're centering right. their expertise on yeah. that level. They're the person that you're making these decisions with, right? right. So yes, of and, course, they're your co-counsel. And birth yeah. is such a sensual event that that type of familiarity with your body is a form of expertise exactly. that is absolutely and relevant. Yes. And so when we, when we center a sort of institutional science-based model, we really do divorce ourselves from that pleasure component that Shelley exactly. was talking about the earlier, connectedness. From the yeah. insight that we have to gain there, from the intuitive aspect of our understanding of our physicality, yes. all of those things are divorced from that model. Exactly. But in fact, that is a wealth of knowledge. That is a yeah. wealth of expertise that you hold, yeah. that you can bring to this conversation that is absolutely relevant. So in your work of sort of decolonizing exactly. your approach to views on birth, I invite you to elevate other forms of expertise and yes. see how quickly you, you come back to the center. Right, other ways of knowing. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. So important. That partner piece. Mm, yes. I think we can definitely rely on our partners more than we think and that partners can be more involved in a different way than they think, right? I think a lot of men, when they hear about wives maybe wanting a home birth, they're like, well, what am I going to do, <laughs> right? Um, or even in a hospital setting, right? I feel like in a hospital, sometimes men feel like they don't fit in in birth. Where do they fit in this, right? Right. Um, as fathers but as piper said you totally have space you have knowledge that is welcome and needed and relevant to you know the birthing person's experience that you're supporting um in just knowing them and and, and their body right? right um yeah definitely super important and that's relevant to life partners who aren't necessarily intimate partners you know intimacy in forms of um communication and thought processes not only physical intimacy um, that's also relevant to single people who have someone who's interested enough to participate in their journey with them. They're yeah. intimate with their experience of pregnancy, with their experience, with their views and, and traumas and processing around the birth preparation. All of these forms are important. Yes. You know, and so we're, I feel like that sort of ties up a lot of the threads that we've we've uh, sort of raveled throughout this. <laughs> That's yeah. a lack sufficiency mindset switch right there. Look to exactly. what you have around you, who yes. you have around you, yes. and find some of the sufficiency there and coax it out of the shadows. Your very act of elevating that and centering that makes it more real to you. It invokes more of it coming your way from those people and places that provide it. And you are actively decolonizing your experience that way. 
you're decentering a capitalistic model by by sourcing from the crowd around you exactly. the things that you need yeah. um, and so you know enter this from wherever you are do the best you can at navigating your circumstances most importantly understand that you have authority over your physical form it is yours to do with what you want from the absolute moment of conception actually probably prior to that moment hopefully <laughs> but certainly from the set from that point forward whatever your choices are please feel us holding space for you to be empowered around those decisions yeah. and and also hear us leaving the light on for those of you who are sort of searching in the dark for some answers about what's available tune yeah. in to our future podcast exactly. <laughs> we've got so much in store for you guys and this i think this went even better than we thought <laughs> to touch on all the things that we all are going to talk about so stay tuned and thank you for joining us yes all right All right, this will be our final episode for a few months uh, as we revamp our show to bring you guys better, more consistent content. We're both coming up on experiencing postpartum for trimester, and uh, we want to have content for you guys while we rest and recover. Uh, so we're honoring the cycles of nature and life right now and just getting ready for this upcoming winter. We hope to launch with our new content in the new year, though. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Decolonized Parenting and Other Dope Shit. We shouted out Dope Mama, dancer, artist, sister, uh, Nicole Mylene Wu, who's got Flip the Script t-shirts available on her website, which is seedrising.com. S-E-E-D rising.com. And you can find her under the same handle, Seed rising uh, on instagram if you want to uh, check out more of her art um and photography and her life um yeah so it got a little more heavy this episode <clears throat> i think and as we talked about uh the more spiritual and emotional sides of this work and accessibility is at the forefront of how we navigate this and we touch on how easy it actually is to decolonize yourself and the spaces that you're in when you switch your mindset to one of sufficiency and resilience and um really remembering where the power lies right it's all it's all in you you got yourself and you got your ancestors and that's that's all you need um, so if you like the show and want to hear more, please subscribe, uh, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. You can find us at Decolonized Parenting and uh, share us with your friends and fam. You can stay up to date and interact with us on social media or send us a good old fashioned email at decolonizedparenting at gmail.com. We are currently seeking guests for recurring episodes. So if you have or if you know.